This is 8 Minutes, a podcast helping you understand the energy and climate challenge in just a few minutes. I'm your host, Paul Schuster. COP28 wrapped up an intense two weeks of climate negotiations last week. By some estimates, over 400,000 people attended this year's climate conference in Dubai. And the results were, well, as with any multilateral agreement seeking compromise, the final document left some feeling like it was a bit of a mixed bag. But the COP isn't just about the delegations, nor the highly anticipated global stock take that came with this year's event. Every conference of the parties is split between two areas, a green zone where the global negotiations take place, and the blue zone where the general public can learn about the new processes and commitments from both public and private entities from across the globe. And there were a lot of announcements at this year's event. So let's dig into what went down in Dubai what the outcomes of the official global stock take revealed, as well as what happened over in the other zone, where the energy towards climate commitment hit a new high, in many ways highlighting what may be best summarized as a tale of two cops. Eight minutes. It's how long it takes the sun's rays to hit Earth, or how long I made it this year without hearing Wham's Last Christmas. Is it just me or is that song literally everywhere? Let's get it on. The 28th Conference of the Parties was supposed to be a moment to step back and really review how the planet is doing in limiting our global warming. When the Paris Agreement was ratified in 2015, the document called for a global stock take every five years to monitor and review how we're doing towards meeting our goals. This year was the release of the first global stock take, and interest in the conference was further heightened earlier in the summer when an initial report from the IPCC the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, indicated that this COP may be our last chance to keep the planet from exceeding our ambitious 1.5 degrees Celsius target. There was going to be a lot of scrutiny on this year's event regardless, but then add to that the fact that the COP was being held in the United Arab Emirates, a nation heavily dependent on oil production, but well, in many ways the negotiations at COP did achieve some really good things. After two grueling weeks that even went into overtime by a day or two, the end agreement did accomplish something not seen before. For the first time, a COP agreement specifically called out fossil fuels and called for a transition away from their usage. While not as forceful of language as some countries have been calling for, preferring instead to see wording around the phase-out of fossil fuels, the inclusion of the language at all was something of a win. Earlier in the week, the president of the COP, Sultan Al-Jaber, had stirred controversy by suggesting that the science wasn't there to phase out fossil fuels in order to reach global targets. And an early draft of the agreement stripped fossil language completely from the document. So to have it reinserted and publicly agreed to is a big deal. Of course, as many observers said afterward, now comes the hard part. How do we translate that new commitment into action? The negotiated text had a few areas where it outlined some basic approaches, committing to a tripling of renewable energy, the operationalization of a loss and damage fund, a doubling of energy efficiency. And countries are now being asked to have detailed adoption plans in place by 2025 to show how they plan on meeting these new commitments. Yes, opinion on the final negotiated text is divided. Some experts hail it as historic and the beginning of the end for fossil fuels while others point out potential loopholes that undercut the teeth of the agreement. In any regard, nearly 200 countries signed on to that final text, marking again a recognition on a global scale that we're all in this together and marching forward 
towards change. How to actualize that change, though, that's not going to be easy. Which brings us to the other cop, the one that was playing out in the public zone. Because it's here where a number of companies and municipalities and NGOs all aligned on actions that would be needed to curb climate change. For instance, there was a startup village devoted to companies that were advancing the latest in new climate technologies for the planet. Everything from low-carbon concrete to spray-on coatings for solar panels. And while those companies were pitching their products to climate executives from around the world, their VC and private equity financing partners were working on the investment models needed to capitalize these business solutions. A good portion of the COP was handed over to the intersection between public, private, and philanthropic financing, and finding the ways that these different dollars and investors can work together. In fact, financing was a big part of the COP announcements, as the host country of the UAE announced early in the event the creation of a new $30 billion fund called Altera. And Altera will focus on climate investments in emerging markets and developing economies where the access to climate funding is limited so far. Not to be outdone, Kamala Harris announced that the U.S. would be pledging $3 billion towards the Green Climate Fund as a different vehicle to help emerging economies. The World Bank estimates that the climate transition will require $2.4 trillion in annual capital. So more initiatives like Altera and the Green Climate Fund are going to be needed going forward. And while the financing and startup innovation is welcome, other announcements focused on the scaling and growing of existing solutions as well. McKinsey estimates that 90% of our needed greenhouse gas abatements can be accomplished today using proven technologies. We just need to scale those efforts better, which led to commitments such as the tripling of renewable energy that I mentioned earlier. And for their part, 50 major oil and gas companies, including Exxon and Saudi Aramco, pledged to reduce their methane intensity by 80 to 90% by 2030. More than 200 major companies attended the COP this year, building upon corporate leadership in transitioning to renewable energy, driving GHG emissions out of their value chain, and decarbonizing their business. A consortium of these companies, including IKEA, Coca-Cola, Nestle, DHL, and others, were vocal in their advocating for a phase-out of fossil fuels without the reliance upon carbon capture and storage technologies. There's no doubt that the difficult compromises that arise from the COP negotiations can make it feel as though the world is moving too slowly to address our urgent climate crisis. But just looking at the geopolitical challenges misses a whole other area of COP where the energy enthusiasm has remained strong every year. More capital, both financial and intellectual, is flowing into this space than ever before. The COP delegates have set the vision and commitment for carbon reductions, while our public and private community is innovating the solutions required to get us there. I'm Paul Schuster, and this has been your 8 Minutes.